So we're talking about communication strategies for remote work. Working remote from home. work. I've never heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? It's this novel concept. Yeah. I feel like everyone's putting out strategies about this right now, which which makes sense um, because I think a lot of us are doing remote work. And then some of us have been doing remote work for a while and uh, we're kind of like, yeah, this is nothing new. But I think um, in the video that, that you put out recently, you touched on some stuff that um, people don't really necessarily think about. Yeah. Right? There's some obvious so. stuff and then yeah. there's stuff that I think only comes with experience working remotely. I think so, yeah. I mean, and I think once you do it, you sort of figure out the system and the system that you want to create for mm. your own structure of working from home. Um, but it's not just working from home, like in terms of the productivity and, you know, the layout and the setup that you want to sort of have. Like I have friends telling me now that they've, moved their office indoors at home as um, to the extent that you can, right? And they're just telling me now they have a home office and this right. kind of thing. And so, so by moving the office indoors, mm -hmm. you mean they've like basically created a space for themselves that feels like an office. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I like that. It could be like a corner of your kitchen, kitchen counter. It could right. be, you know, a, a space in your, you know, living room. You I know what know. I'm thinking about. What? Back when we, uh, we we lived in Manhattan for a few years, and uh, we lived in this tiny little studio oh, yeah, apartment. Shoebox. And so when I'm thinking about my home office back then, it was literally because we like standing desks. Yeah. I had this basically um, my standing desk set up, and uh, if I wanted to sit, I didn't need a chair because all I had to do was sit back, and I'd be sitting on my bed. <laughs> So, so you can just imagine yeah. my desk is basically uh, a few inches from the bed and I kind of shimmy in uh, to stand there. Exactly. And even better is on the other edge of the bed, perpendicular to me, you had your desk. Yep. And if you sat back, you'd sit on the bed. Oh, yeah. So we're used to setting up offices in, in tight spaces, pretty constrained close spaces. Close quarters, yeah. yeah. So you can make it work. I think it's just nice to have a designated, even if it's just a corner of a space, you can mm. call that your home office. Totally. But For tax purposes, too. <laughs> <laughs> so today's topic is really about the communication strategies that we can implement so that we can be more effective with our remote work mm. and working from home. And I think a lot of people are using the hashtag WFH right now, work from home. Right. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, so in addition to what we talked about in the actual lesson, which came out a couple of days ago, definitely check it out if you haven't already, um, we come up with this concept of over-communicating, which mm. almost seems antithetical to what we espouse on this channel in terms of being you know, clear, and a lot of the time clarity comes with being succinct, at least to the extent that you can, without like overdoing it, over overextending yourself with like too much information or yeah. um, essentially over-communicating. But in this context, you do want to over-communicate, right? Yeah. No, I'm glad actually you brought this up because um, the distinction can be tricky. Uh, and it's certainly yeah. hard to sort of work into a short, a short video. Um, to me, when I think of the, the distinction between over-communicating and communicating just the right amount. The reality is the context does matter, right? 
Always in communication, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think this also goes for, even if this wasn't a remote work context, yeah. uh, the context still matters. Because if you're communicating to someone who sits across from you or is in the office and you see them and regularly are communicating, that's one thing. But even a client. So yeah. a client you're, you're sort of managing remotely. A lot of us, you know, one of the things I've been realizing as we talk a lot about remote work um, is that we do a lot of remote work even in the office. You're just you're managing remotely managing clients, maybe an offshore team, contractors, or just someone in you know in a, a separate geography. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a lot of that remote work, and so I think the same concept applies when you're managing someone that you don't see day to day and that you don't interact with face to face. There's a lot of information that you you don't realize you're communicating that doesn't get communicated. Right, and so. It's not that you want to add superfluous content uh, to, to, the, to, to your communication with these people. I, it's simply that you want to make sure uh, that nothing is left open to interpretation. Right. 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 So making sure that everything you say is very clear. And if you're wondering how much information do I add, well, think about it in terms of what that person, let's say you're talking through email. Um, and you're wondering what kinds of questions they might have, mm. right, in response to your email. And so thinking ahead of time, you might say, well, they might be wondering about this, so add that, right? And in that way, it is a little bit like, I mean, it is over-communicating, but it's necessary to, like you said, avoid any chance of there being a miscommunication or something that's misinterpreted, which leads to conflict. Yeah, and, and you know... Um, and confusion. And confusion. Yeah. Well, that's that's a huge part of it because yeah. uh, I remember um, there was a video a while back that we put out about um, email communication. Right, how to email like a boss. How to email like a boss. And, and one of the things was <laughs> recognizing that in written communication, which often when you're working remotely, it is written communication. In written communication, um, there are... It's, it can be hard to interpret the tone of things. 100%. It can be hard to interpret um, the direction you're going with something. It just, it requires, it's, it really is an art. And, and that's why the most effective uh, uh, corporate communicators, and not just corporate, but basically professional, professional communicators, yeah. are good writers. Mm. Because they know what's necessary and what isn't. Right. And... Um, I'm trying to think of how someone, when they're writing, composing their email, mm-hmm. um, how they would go about diagnosing whether this is superfluous mm-hmm. overcommunication or clarifying overcommunication, right? right? Yeah, that is interesting. Um, because cause that really is the distinction here. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think the, maybe one, one good strategy you can apply to that is simply when you're writing it, read, read back what you've written. Yes. And ask yourself, could this be interpreted any other way? Mm-hmm. If you're really lucky, you might have um, someone that you can run it by if it's a particularly high-stakes email. But that's or you not, can send it to a remote coach. Send it to a remote <laughs> coach. You know, respecting your confidentiality yeah, yeah, uh, uh, constraints. Um, but I think you really... It's, it's about stepping into someone else's shoes. Precisely. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and from their vantage point, determining is there any part of this that could be seen differently, that could be misinterpreted, uh, that, that isn't sufficiently clear. If I had no other context but this email, would I be able to perform 
or act on whatever information is in that email. Right. To complete this test that I'm asking somebody to do, do they have everything they need or all questions answered? And so you can only come up with as many foreseen questions um, as you can. And then the beauty of an email chain is for them to then respond and say, oh, I was not sure about this. But I think also making that clear in that communication, in that first email, let's say, um, you know, making sure that they understand that you welcome their questions and that they can feel free to ask you anything yeah. that seems a little bit nebulous. That's a good point. Not only should you be um, yeah. uh, comprehensive with your communication, you should invite the same from them. Right. Because they're operating with the same constraints and they may not be thinking about it as consciously as you because they may not have watched their exploring content. Exactly. <laughs> um, but th there was one other thing I was going to say related to this and unfortunately it totally escaped me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back to you. It'll come back to me. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's let it come back to me. Okay. The other thing I think is important is, um, now I almost forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Um, I think you have to also be mindful of not like inundating them with too much information. Hmm. Um, so yes, over communicate, but don't over communicate with like running it by so many channels in that you email them, you call them, you follow up vo with voicemail, then you send them a Slack, then you G chat them. Okay. I'm being a little bit extreme and, totally. you know, for a hyperbole, but the, the idea is that, you know, if you don't hear from them right away, but it's urgent, do you then call, right? Yeah, I or mean- Or do you send a Slack or something? That, 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 that's another good point, which is uh, you don't want to, but uh, being comprehensive with communication doesn't mean battering them, doesn't mean pestering, doesn't mean overwhelming them. Exactly. And this actually relates to now, I remember what I was oh, going to say. Lovely, good. Uh, which good. is, you're probably starting to realize to communicate in this way, isn't easy, right? It takes it takes some thought, and some forethought, and that's true, right? When you write a good email, uh, I think we get often have uh, uh, the tendency to be sloppy with it, right, and, and like because rush through, it. rush through, send something quick out, and you know you can hash it out in person. That's not an option here, and so you do want to spend a little extra time thinking about how it is you can compose that email, or maybe it's not an email, maybe it's just a, a task that you're creating in Asana for someone, yeah. right? I, when I create an Asana task. Asana um, is the project uh, management software. Yes. Um, and you can do real-time talking and then also asynchronous. It's great, yeah. yeah. It, it's, we use it, we love it's it. It's terrific. And there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, it has integrations with Slack, um, but there are other... Uh, yeah, Jira, Jira is another one. Uh, there are a bunch of these out there where you basically create tasks, assign them people, and they complete it. But when I create a task, um, particularly if it's for, um, for a software developer, uh, it could take me upwards of 30 to 45 minutes just making sure that everything in there is done correctly. Yeah. And that might feel like a waste of time in the moment, but the reality is you save so much time in terms of uh, sort of rectifying miscommunications down the road, right. um, preventing uh, excessive back and forth about clarification. Yeah. Um, by, by really putting the effort in up front, uh, you end up on sort of the, the sort of long run, you end up with a much more efficient workflow. Yes, exactly. And it also um, makes sure that you're not getting some work that you, 
that's unfinished or not the type of work, let's say you're hiring it out, hiring it out for a contractor mm. to complete, that it's not, you know, and they spend time like laboring over it. Um, but if it's not clear to them and they come to you with this finished product and they say, here it is, and it's not anything that you had thought <laughs> was I've going been to there. be, right? That is painful. That's why, excuse me, to your point, it's really important to take that time, however long it takes you to really flesh out what you want, but then also making sure that you put yourself in their shoes as best you can, right? Yeah. If they're you know, a software developer, they might have um, certain questions they, they might want to ask you yeah. and try to answer those off the bat, right? Totally. And what this makes me think about is um, Tim Ferriss's uh, Four Hour Work Week. Okay. Part of part of what uh, enabled him to compress the amount of work he needed to do to, to run his business into four hours. It's all about automating. It's about automating and creating systems. Yes. Systems um, that allow you to to sort of remove yourself from from the picture, right? And. A lot of the systems that we discuss for remote work yeah. really are systems that are effective uh, for the business, period, whether it's remote or not. Yes. Right? Clear communication is something you should be doing, whether it's remote or in person. Yeah. Um, and with being, everyone that you communicate with, with in casual communicate. settings. Correct. Not even in just in work. Settings. Totally. Yeah. On um, live streams. On live streams. Yeah. So what's cool about um, this challenge of remote work is that I think it's forcing people to be more thoughtful about things that happened automatically mm. and may not have been conducted with this amount of efficiency that they could be, That's right? Nice, so it's yeah. pushing people to be more efficient, more thoughtful. Um, and that's something that's kind of cool about uh, this, uh, this situation. Is it's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's causing us to be uh, more efficient uh, about how we go about things. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good takeaway, and it's a silver lining for what's going on right now, too, because not everyone wants to be working from home. There's some people who love doing it. Um, I, I love uh, working from home, um, but I think a lot of people like going into an office and having you know their colleagues around, and, yeah. I, and I, I like that, too, to be honest. Like when I, when I did that, when I worked in the corporate world and in education, I, I did find that there's a certain energy, right, that you get just from like walking down a hall and you see other people, your colleagues, and it's like, have a great day. And, yeah, um, yeah. Or let's try to solve this, con like, you know, conflict or this issue. And, and you can read people too, right? Yeah. As, you, as you walk by and, 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 you know, not even if you're saying anything to them, but you can tell if someone's feeling a little down just, right. just by their body like, language and so yeah, forth, yeah. which you can't do when you can't see them. Yeah, right? I mean, maybe on a Zoom call a little bit, um, but you could always, you know, chalk that up to poor internet connection <laughs> right. or something. Right. Um, so there's, yeah. Um, and that relates to what you were saying in the, in the video, yeah. which is humanizing, yeah. right? Humanizing your interactions, yeah. your digital interactions is, is really important. So important. Yeah. Um, it's tough to do too. It is. Right? Because yeah. you, and I understand it. I, I'm, I'm a, a very, um, what's the word for this? I'm absolutely guilty of, not sufficiently humanizing my interactions. I can be very systematic and, and sort of programmatic about getting stuff done. Uh, and well, because you want to be productive. Want to be productive. When you put your head in the game, you're in the game 100%. Right. Right. And and I'm very focused on what it is I'm writing about. Right. And so I get when people say, oh, "Yeah, being human is all and well," 
uh, however, you know, I don't want to sort of cloud this email, the content of this email with a personal uh, discussion that's going to get us off track. Yeah. Right? Which I totally get. Totally. But, but there are absolutely ways to do it so that you can avoid that happening, right? What we're blessed with these days yeah. is multiple channels of communication. Of course, right? There's, uh, and let's talk about for the professional setting, there's Gchat, there's Hangouts, there, well, that's the same thing, but there's um, something that we used back in some, in a previous job, Yammer, Yammer, Yammer. is like mm-hmm. one of them, Asana, mm-hmm. all these tools, Slack, uh, and then there's email, and then there's work email, um, WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah. you probably right. maybe even WeChat for people who different parts of the geography. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of different channels, and so yeah. the, the 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 point is that if you have an important email that you don't want to um, uh, sort of muddy with, dilute with yeah. with personal uh, conversation, and yeah. maybe it's being copied to a bunch of people's personal conversation right. isn't appropriate. Yeah, totally fine. Uh, that's when you can use one of these other more informal. Yeah. Like a Slack. Uh, channels, Send like a Slack. Slack or WhatsApp or whatever, just to check in uh, and, and maybe let them know, hey, there's a big meaty email coming. Uh, don't be intimidated. Uh, and by the way, you know, how's that? Uh, how's your dog that you took to the yeah, vet Yeah, yeah, how's the dog at the vet? Yeah. Exactly. Which the other people on the email might not be privy to and might not, like, frankly care, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a chain email Absolutely. with, like, multiple yeah. recipients. So I love that, right? That's really important to... In, t- in terms of humanizing it, you can seek out the other professional channels of communication that you use in your work. Um, if a phone call is appropriate, you might send a phone, you know, send a phone call. <laughs> Make a phone call. <laughs> it is almost send a phone call these days because it's typically yeah. connected over Wi-Fi now. That's true. Well, it reminds me of, um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but we might as well. Uh, in The Expanse, remember how they would send out the Expanse is a sci-fi uh, awesome, series. Awesome, awesome sci-fi. I think it's hosted on Amazon now. I think so. It was on Sci-Fi yeah, with yeah. the Y, but now it's on Amazon. I think it struck a chord of Bezos. Oh like, yeah, he's like, I'm taking this over. We're on it because it was going to get canceled. Yes, yeah. and then came to the rescue. So anyway, they send they send phone calls that are recorded like Zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. So in that sense, you are sending a phone call. Totally. Which is, by the way, that's how um, WeChat started. WeChat, really? yeah, WeChat got big not as a texting app, but instead as uh, an app where you send these little sound bites to oh, each other. Oh, that's right. I would see people in the bus. Yeah, yeah. Speak it. Well, eventually got to the U.S., yeah. but it was in China for years, and people would speak into it, and then you listen to it. And I thought it was the funniest thing. But there's, yeah, there's a little. Well, sound I just bites. remember in Hong Kong, like when we were there uh, a couple years ago, it was like they were on the phone. Oh yeah. And they'd be like sending messages, and then they'd put it up to the ear, and then they'd send the message. Exactly. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Like, These days with, um, uh, what is it, speech to text, speech oh. to text, you can almost achieve the same thing with written right. as opposed to sound bites. It uses less data. Right. But, so that uh, might be a way of checking in as well, yeah. right? Just be mindful that you can resort to other um, and utilize other channels that will enable you to check in on someone and ask them how they are in terms of like the human aspect of communicating with them. One of the... Um, yeah. the uh, Approaches that I really liked was with the Basecamp team. Oh, yeah. So Basecamp, I, I think we've mentioned them before, but uh, it's run by uh, these two these two fellows, um, one who's, I believe, Danish, um, mm. and the other's American. Mm-hmm. And they, they've been sort of remote work f- 
first since uh, since they started. So they've always had that remote work. And when was that? It was like they, in fact, founded it working oh. remotely. The the, the programmer uh, and, so cool. and the designer uh, were working remotely. Had they met ahead of time? No, he had hired him as like a contractor. A contractor. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. look at that. And then they always just sort of stayed remotely. That's really cool. And, and, and uh, eventually met face to face. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would imagine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and they have a few fantastic books. Um, if you look up David Hansen Hoppemeyer or something, DHH, uh, or just like a base camp, uh, you'll, you'll get their names in the books. They're just base, escaping me. B-A-S-E. Jason Freed was the other guy? Yes, Jason Freed. Um, yeah. Camp C-A-M-P. Base camp. So the only reason I bring them up is because they are remote first. And so they have a lot of um, systems already built sort of into the DNA of their, their corporate culture yeah. to address things like cool. this. Automatic is another one. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, which is basically what powers WordPress. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Mullenweg runs that. So in any event, what, what Basecamp they use is uh, they have something called like the fire, like it's like a, it's something called like campfire. I think it's like campfire and it's open all day and it's an explicit place where all the employees can just chat and it has nothing to do with work per se. It's just, it's always open and people are chiming in and they might talk about the game or uh, the movie they watched, whatever. Um, but it's there intentionally, purely for sort of casual conversation. That's so nice. And so like it's, it's exactly what we're describing. Yes. Um, and and it's for everyone. And it's the equivalent to having sort of this open, uh, st- st- open office plan style sort yeah. of setup. Except not as invasive because right. you can choose when to go do it and when not to. Yeah. And you can also be a participant without, like, on the sidelines. You can just be what, like, looking at the text, right? Totally. Kind of like yeah, if you just want to unplug a little to bit. To see what's going on and yeah. then chime in when you can. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that's important with this whole idea of, well, the communication strategies for remote work um, is checking in with people, right? Mm. And and doing that not only on the, like the human level where you're asking them how they are and how their dog is, um, but also making sure that, you know, the project is on track, that... You know, these are um, there's enough information off of which you can complete another task. Right. So making sure that you know, basically checking that you're on the same page with somebody, um, and these don't have to be necessarily like these full, uh, full on emails or comprehensive, you know, like Zoom calls or whatever. Mm. They can just be simple check-ins. Just want to make sure we're on track for Thursday. Um, just want to you know check yeah. in how that meeting went, write these one-liners. But it's really important to keep that up because it's another way of making sure that you're not um, leaving anything to chance. Totally, yeah, right? and, and there are ways to do that. I completely agree with that. And yeah. that helps avoid what you were saying where you maybe, particularly with contractors, you send something off and you kind of like hope for the best when it comes yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Checking in regularly absolutely prevents things from going off the rails. Exactly. It's kind of like um, when you're uh, tracing uh, a shape, because this comes up in graphic design. Sure. Um, the more sort of, when you trace a shape, you, you can do like two angles. So let's say you're trying to draw a curve. You can do one angle here and one angle here. So those are two lines. Mm. And you have something that's more like a triangle than a curve. Now, if you add like a few more lines, it starts to look a little more rounded, right? Because you have more points. Yeah. Uh, and, and checking in is the same way. If you're trying to get true to the, if the, the curve is the shape of your project, right? The, the integrity of the curve is the 
quality to which you adhere to the specifications of the project. Each checkpoint is like adding another line mm -hmm. to that trace, right? And mm -hmm. so the more checkpoints you add in there, the more closely you're going to adhere to the integrity of the project. And I love that image. That's a great image you painted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the challenge there is only doing it in a way that doesn't feel uh, micromanaging yes. or excessively sort of overbearing. Because mm -hmm. um, you're not trying to badger the person. Right. And that's perhaps a discussion for uh, another, uh, another video. Another, another video, lesson. yeah. Um, so these regular check-ins are really great. The other thing I think is also setting, um, establishing sort of like a code system in that how, you know, how quickly you want the email to be responded to if something is urgent, if something is that they need to respond as soon as they open it. Mm. Um, like having, maybe you uh, sign it one. with or you put it in the subject header or in the Slack email or in the Asana or at the end of an email and the signature, you put like the code so that the person knows how to respond. And yeah, like, yeah. So it could be Not like, literally a code, right? Are well, you, are I you mean, saying... I'm thinking of like acronyms. Oh. Yeah. Like, no need to respond, no response needed might be NRN. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. sometimes, like, people don't But it's know. not meant to be cryptic. It's just you're oh, saying no. a code in terms of easy to interpret, of short course. to write. And this is something that is agreed upon with the team ahead of time. If I it's like not, that. I really like that. Yeah? Yeah, it's a cool idea. It, it's kind of like a he and a map. It's a stamp. It's a stamp yeah. that you put on, right? Yeah. Whether yeah. it's urgent or not. Or... But you have to make sure that the person knows what that means. <laughs> Otherwise, it would yeah. be a little bit. I so love that. So it's systematized. And the, the point is that you have people know which emails to respond to, how quickly they need to take action, or if there's no response needed at all. Yeah. Sometimes there isn't, yeah. right? Yeah, my um, actually, my, my former boss was very good about yeah. letting me know uh, when he needed uh, a deliverable? A, a, an answer by, ah, yeah. right? So sometimes he'd send me something over the weekend, mm -hmm. but he's like, absolutely don't touch this now, like wait yeah. till Monday, just wanted to get it off my, you know, right. my head. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a great way to make sure that, you know, no one's wasting time and that uh, all hands are on deck for the things that are needed the most. Let me tell you one more reason I love that. Yeah. Because sometimes finessing that, mm -hmm. that, that language mm -hmm. can take cognitive load and time. Mm. So if I'm sending someone to something, uh, sending something to someone, right, um, and... Uh, I don't want them to address me. I want them to take their time yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. I I can spend five minutes figuring out how to write that softly, where there's like there's some urgency. Mm. Yet I, I'm, I also don't want them to address it immediately. I don't want them to drop everything and go to it. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's a lot of thought that I have to put into that. If you instead have one of these these codes that you're saying, yeah, you kind of know exactly uh, how to how to. Um, the person knows how to interpret it, and you don't have to spend time thinking of how to write it. Right. So Fantastic true. I idea. didn't even think of that that part of it. So you can have fun with this, and um, you know, if this is not a team, a group, uh, let's say with a project that you all are working on, if this is not a team that you normally work with, then you can add, you know, a um, an attachment of the codes right. and have them for their reference in the future. Um, you know, it might even be something like you know, phone call to follow up kind of thing, mm. right? And you could put like, I don't know, phone call, FC, 2, P. FP, maybe. I don't know. I'm having fun with this, so I think you should too. <laughs> but the point is, like we said, is to streamline the communication. Yeah. Um, and I think in terms of uh, tone, let's say we are working with synchronous and asynchronous mm. written communication. Synchronous happens at the same time. So like chats when people are online at the same time. Or a phone call. Or phone call. 
Um, and then asynchronous would be something like a letter, an email, where there's a delay, um, an asana. A fax. What? A fax. A fax. Oh. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time I sent a fax. Oh, gosh. I detest them. In the noise, the, the fax noise. machine, like, beep, beep, yeah. Beep. Yeah, oh and gosh. you never really know if it's been yeah. sent. Anyone who's like under 20 is probably wondering what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so the idea with the tone, right, is to be friendly but professional, right? And so it's up to you to figure out sort of what that means. But I think you know in your gut what that means. Um, you know, you're not... This is the tone for what kind of communication? I think asynchronous and synchronous, but mm -hmm. work work related. So a Slack. So I think the tricky thing with like a Slack, right? It's it seems to be a casual sort of let your guard down place to chat or this campfire thing. But you have to remember that this is a professional setting. Yes, still. this is definitely a good. Albeit caveat. virtual, yeah, yeah. right? But it's still professional. So you don't really want to. I mean you know, slang and Argo and like using like emojis even. And obviously you don't want to be offensive or too incendiary. Yeah. You can be provocative in a fun sort of a congenial way, but. If people know that that's your humor. Yeah, Otherwise yeah, yeah. it might be, because there's so much to open up there, like a can of worms. That's a good point. If they yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. you um, and you're, you know. Politics tend to be something you want to stay, stay avoid, away from. Just yeah, the sort gets of too like heated. At least taboo, in these channels. Taboo. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And don't forget that virtual communication is, the, that the word virtual is misleading because it yeah. sounds like it doesn't really matter, like it's make-believe. It matters. It matters more yeah. because it's, it, yep. it's, it's, it's a permanent record. Exactly. Even if it's something like Telegram, um, people can still take screenshots of it. Oh, yeah. Right? So anything digital, assume is never going to go away. Right. You could be recorded. Yeah. I mean, you probably are being recorded. You're being, uh, you're, the transcripts are there, uh, you know. <laughs> Rest assured, all your data when it's transmitted, unless it's really encrypted, is being uh, read by several different agencies. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's just the reality of today. It's, it's the reality Including of your internet service provider. Totally, your ISP. So um, just be mindful that there is a trace. So you should always be on your best behavior um, and your communication should be on point as well. But, you know, keep it friendly, but also professional. So yeah. make sure that that's uh, the tone you strike, right? Yeah. I have a feeling we've uh, we've run way over deadline here. Yeah. Oh, wow. But um, It always happens every time. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of sort of a nice way to sort of wrap it up. I would say that uh, the main takeaway uh, here is that... Um, Working from home presents some, some, you know, professional acrobatics that will benefit you even after you're working from home. So the skills that you're developing here, that the sort of strategies that you're that you're that you're working to to cultivate will uh, continue to benefit you afterwards. So it's worth investing the time now to really uh, refine and hone these these skills because. Um, when things do change and you are back in the office, you might discover that uh, you're much more effective even in the office totally. because of that. Yeah. So it's worth investing the time now. Don't think of this as something temporary mm. in the sense of you know what you need to do to, to, to be effective because it's not. I mean, the, this is an, a new opportunity, an excuse to, to develop some, some capabilities and competencies that will last a lifetime. Definitely. And you know, people might find that remote work is 
here to stay. Um, That's true. You <laughs> might find that even even you know when you have the opportunity to go to the office, uh, it may not be uh, uh, something you do as often anymore. And I think the last thing that we'll say here is that this might also be an opportunity to. I don't, do I want to say prove yourself? Maybe. Let's say prove yourself and that you show the people that, you know, you're still holding yourself accountable, you're still productive, you're still really clear or even becoming clearer with your communication. And that might be an opportunity for you, you know, when this whole, when all the dust, dust settles for you to, you know, if you like remote work and your boss says it's okay, then maybe this is something that you can weave into your True. normal yeah. schedule. Absolutely. Right? So you can also think of it that way. Like, do a good job with this. Because right. Prove, prove that you are responsible enough to, to not need the micromanagement that you might have been subject to. Exactly.